Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. In-depth conversations. Matchup breakdown. Everything a Steelers fan could want. This is fourth down in the Steel City with Chris Mack and Josh Taylor. And welcome in to fourth down in the Steel City, Odyssey's Pittsburgh Steelers podcast, where we have you covered, Steelers Nation. Every day of the week, we've got episodes pumping out, getting you ready now for what is kickoff of the 2023 season, Sunday afternoon at Heinz Field. Don't call it Acrisure. Hi, I'm Chris Mack and 93.7 The Fan. Josh Taylor, just a little bit under the weather. Um, he what did what did he compare his voice to? Greg Finley, who is our producer, is pulling double duty today, co-hosting with me. Hi, Greg. Hi, um, hi Chris. Uh, what, I think he compared his voice to Cobra Commander from GI Joe, right? That so is he probably sounds like this, um, which means we're not gonna ha- we're not gonna put Josh through that today. We're gonna let him take a day, slowly recover, and he'll be back in the fold by the end of the week as we build up to what is a, a really interesting opener against the Niners. Cobra. G.I. Joe is not quite in your wheelhouse, is it, Greg? No, it's not. I'm, I'm, I'm a little too young for that, I guess. Even though I'm going to be 29 this month, I'm still go, technically young. Go, go back and find some clips on YouTube, which, by the way, is also where you can find this show. Yes, search 93.7 The Fan when you go to YouTube. Subscribe to that channel. And full new episodes of uh, Fourth Down in the Steel City will be posted as soon as they're ready, as soon as they're up there on iTunes and your Odyssey app, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcast, be sure to subscribe, follow, download, rate, review, all the things, and become a part of the fourth down in the Steel City fam Ali. That is not copyrighted by the 1979 Pirates. I just did it for us as well. So before we get to Mike Tomlin's first press conference of the year, Gregors, um, it will not slow down the conjecture about Nick Bosa and George Kittle. We started talking about this late last week, just kind of in passing, like, hey, keep an eye on this because the Nick Bosa holdout continues and Kittle still hasn't practiced in a little while. He's got a groin injury. Bosa's got a wallet injury. Um, And I'm starting to feel like as fans, as people who watch the Steelers, it's like when you were a kid or really, I guess you don't have to be a kid at any point in your life. When you start to kind of jog downhill, right, and the hill gets steeper and the jog starts to turn into a run, and now you're running downhill, and then your limbs start to flail about before you know it. Oh, I landed right on my face because I was running downhill too fast, and I got out ahead of myself. Um, Are you allowing yourself to run downhill on this and actually believe that maybe the Steelers might not have to face Nick Bosa and or George Kittle on Sunday? It it honestly feels like we're getting to that point, Chris, that – a deal is not going to be done by game time on Sunday. I mean, we're recording this on Tuesday and it's still extremely up in the air. And you've got Ian Rappaport coming out saying, look, a deal's nowhere close right now. And if they don't come to a deal soon and he doesn't practice with the team, how's he going to play on Sunday? Like I get it. He's Nick Bosa. He's been working out in the summer, but 
he hasn't practiced with the team well, once. That's a real important delineation here because I keep hearing people make the comparison to the TJ Watt hold in of a couple years ago. The difference was TJ was around the team the whole time and TJ was going through team drills the whole time. And it also didn't seem this contentious, to be quite honest. This has been something that's been taking all offseason and has kept Bosa from showing up to the facility in Santa Clara. Like, that's a real big delineation for me anyway, in that, to your point, he hasn't been practicing with the team. Now, he is Nick Bosa. And if he signs a deal at, I don't know, 9 o'clock Friday night, just in time to get on the plane Saturday morning and fly east with the team, I'm sure they can put him out there on the field and say, go get Kenny Pickett and he'll be fine. But that being said, there is a little bit of a of a limiting factor to what they can ask him to do, I think, in so much as it will simply be just, hey, go get the guy with the ball. And perhaps if they were going to include him in any kind of schemes or if they're scheming about not having him, I think they'd have to be prepared for not having him, perhaps, on Sunday, given the way the situation has played out. Well, now all of a sudden, the other 10 guys are also adjusting on that side of the ball. Yeah, the game plan completely changes when you don't mm-hmm. have Bosa on the field. So if they're practicing not having Bosa, and then all of a sudden, oh, we do have Bosa on Sunday, everything changes. For the 49ers, it changes in a good way because they're getting their guy. But I just don't see a deal coming to a close for Sunday's game. On the other side, Chris, George Kittle, that guy just cannot stay healthy. I really yeah. don't think he's going to play on Sunday because – We've seen this for the last couple of seasons where he comes down with an injury and he misses multiple weeks and it's only week one. Why would they, why would they push it now for him to play in week one, whenever, you know, they're not even at division games yet. This is not, this is not as big of a deal for them playing against the Steelers as it would be to get him ready for a game against a divisional opponent or even an NFC opponent. So I don't think Kittle's going to play, and I don't think Bosa's going to play. Well, and on both sides now of the ball, this changes how both teams are game planning. I know, and we'll get into what Mike Tomlin had to say specifically on Tuesday afternoon about both of these guys, particularly Bosa, and whether they're planning for him or not, and what he thinks their game plan is going to be. The Steelers' game plan is going to be particularly in facing this Niners offense. But you take weapons away, and – like you said, it changes the game plan. You take Kittle away, well, all of a sudden, you're asking other guys to maybe have to focus less on, I don't know, Charlie Werner and more on somebody coming out of the backfield, i.e. Christian McCaffrey, uh, to keep – maybe they keep, they're able to keep a closer eye on what Debo Samuel is doing constantly in motion, jet sweeps behind the line of scrimmage, uh, sometimes serving as, as another back. Uh, back there behind the quarterback and to be quite honest it might give you the opportunity to put more pressure on Brock Purdy as well who this is this is the the question of all questions on that side of the ball for the Niners aside from Kittle's health is is Purdy going to look like the guy that he looked like last year which to be honest was not bad but was never really asked to put a game on his shoulders if the Steelers are able if they don't have to worry about George Kittle and they're able to effectively not take away, but somewhat neutralize both Debo and uh, Christian McCaffrey. Well, all of a sudden, that puts a lot more of that game plan on Purdy's shoulders. And I don't know if he's built for it, again, especially against a Steelers defense that seems to be totally healthy. Mike Tomlin was clear about that today. He was asked specifically about any injury concerns. He had 
he did not have one name to spit out at us today. So that means Hayward's healthy, Ogan Joby's healthy, Watts healthy, Minka's healthy, everybody's healthy, and they're all going to be able to pin their ears back and come after Brock Purdy, especially if there's no George Kittle. And Purdy's coming off of that injury against the Eagles, Chris, that was a massive injury. And so another question mark for the 49ers. Kittle, question mark. Bosa, question mark. Brock Purdy now, question mark. What is this guy going to look like? And if the Steelers take away the run game, which they are known to do, especially against Christian McCaffrey, if you can contain him, you the the, the game plan needs to be make Brock Purdy beat you. That You can't let Christian McCaffrey yeah. beat you. Yeah. And, and, and again, we'll get more in a couple minutes into what I think the Steelers want to do specifically to the Niners offense, because I think Mike Tomlin kind of laid it out. Uh, maybe inadvertently, I don't know, but it was a very expansive answer about the question of flexibility at different positions on the defensive side of the ball. But I would think the Niners are probably going to do the same thing to Kenny Pickett. They're, they're going to ask Kenny Pickett to beat them because, look, as great as he looked this preseason, as much as he improved down the stretch last year, I still got to think a veteran defensive coordinator like Steve Wilkes looks at it and goes, hmm, yeah, young quarterback, uh, young running back too, who admittedly has had some struggles in the first couple years of his career. Mm, maybe an offensive line is still looking for some cohesion. Let's force the quarterback to beat us. And so with that being said, I think it'll be a similar, whether they've got Bosa available to them or not, this is an incredibly talented defense, Greg. And that's the thing. Like this defense can, they, I don't want to say survive. They're not going to thrive, but they will survive even without Nick Bosa. Like you look at all the talent on that side of the ball and they've, they've got the pieces Warner in the middle to start with. Like Fred Warner is a guy who can run with Pat Fryermuth down the field, mm-hmm. or he can come up in the box and fill a gap and, and shut something down at the line of scrimmage. Um, might not have to shut down much at the line of scrimmage because their defensive line is stacked. Armstead, Hargrave, Farrell. And then you've got the secondary punctuated by Hufanga, who plays like his his uncle Troy, right? Like he can run around and do anything. So they've got it at each level of the defense. And I really think their game plan is going to be, we're going we're gonna to put eight guys in the box. We're going to shut down Najee, keep him to three and a half yards of carry, and try to force Kenny Pickett to beat us, and particularly in the middle of the field where Warner and Hafanga will be, and deep down the field as well. And if Kenny Pickett can do that, then, hey, more power to you, Kenny. We'll head back home, maybe 0-1, but we'll know we'll have put the game in the second-year quarterback's hands. Yeah, I mean, you'd have to think is going to be all over George Pickens on these deep balls because, I mean, if, if they did any of their homework, they know that Pickens is the guy that the Steelers are going to go deep with. So they'll put him on – Pickens more than likely and yeah, you talk about Warner they're going to be missing Bosa they still have Fred Warner they still have Javon Hardgrave then this defense is loaded even without Bosa it, it's 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 uh it's not going to be easy it's not and you bring up a good point about make Kenny Pickett beat you if you're the 49ers you want the old Matt Canada offense Steelers you want them oh, to throw yeah. check downs oh, get sweeps you oh, want no. them to do everything that Steelers fans don't want to see that's what the 49ers plan should be. It should be make Matt Canada's offense of last year come back. Oh, no, please. You said jet sweep. Please. Can we go one week without a jet sweep? 
just one week without a jet sweep, please. Hey, they have uh, Calvin Austin. He would be okay for a jet that, sweep. You know what? That's and that actually is a really good point by you that this is an offense who's got a couple different weapons than they did a year ago. So is are those weapons enough to sort of wash the stink off of Matt Canada's play calling, as it were? You know, you you've you've got Washington who you can use in the middle of the field now, who's an absolute mammoth of a human being. You've got Calvin Austin who can stretch things not just vertically but horizontally. Um, and those little weapons dropped in here and there. Jalen Warren coming in on third downs and running against lighter boxes and, and ripping off seven yards of carry. That's the kind of stuff that the only way you're going to keep a, a Niners defense, a, a stacked defense like this, from simply shoving the ball back down your throat every time you try to run the ball is to keep them off balance, force them to stretch stretch out, get less comfortable instead of stacking the box with eight guys. And the only way to do that is to have some of those creative play calls, I guess, for lack of a better way to put it, if Matt Canada's got any left in his bag of tricks, have a couple of those hit. They don't have to hit for huge plays, but just stretch the field a little bit and make the Niners uncomfortable so that they can't shut down the run on every single first and second down. And it helps, Chris, that they revamped their offensive line. Isaac Sayamalu is a huge addition. Mike Tomlin talked about him. We're going to talk about what Mike Tomlin said. But when they asked him about Sayamalu, it was, is this what you expected or are you more impressed? And he said, I'm impressed with what I've seen from him, but it is what I expected because I know he's a good player. Yeah. So, you know, you add him into the mix. Dan Moore has looked really good. The, the offensive line will help this team a, a huge amount with the run game and with the jet sweeps and everything that they want to do. It starts with the guys up front, and they improved a ton. Tomlin was all in on defending Broderick Jones today, by the way, too. I mean, he he made the comparison to Cam Hayward's first couple years in the league when he sort of played second string and sat behind some guys and said, I'm not worried about Broderick Jones at all. Okay. I'm not worried necessarily. I just, I don't know, maybe our expectations were too high, right? We expected it to be a, a pouncy situation where he just walked in and grabbed the job and never looked back. I guess it's more credit to Dan Moore Jr. than anything else, like you said. Yeah, I mean, I think br- them drafting Broderick Jones really put the pressure on Dan Moore. Like, hey, I better get it right or else I'm going to get replaced because yeah. this guy from Georgia is the real deal. And so Dan Moore had the competition from Broderick Jones getting drafted, and now he's the guy. Highway robbery when the Niners were able to somehow acquire Christian McCaffrey. Mike Tomlin had the numbers on how different an offense it is with Christian McCaffrey involved. We'll let you know what those are. He came up with a new Tomlinism, Greg. I don't know if it was right there on the fly or if this one he this was one he was workshopping for a while, but we've got a new Tomlinism as well. We're excited about that. And we talk in detail about how Mike Tomlin laid things out at his first regular season press conference of the year and how he expects his defense to handle the Niners offense. That's all on the way. Keep it locked in right here at fourth down in Steel City. In-depth conversations, matchup breakdown, everything a Steelers fan could want. This is fourth down in the Steel City with Chris Mack and Josh Taylor. And welcome back in fourth down in the Steel City, officially getting ready for week one of the NFL season and the Steelers opening at home against the San Francisco 49ers. Still two and a half point underdogs. Are you kidding me? Two and a half point underdogs at home. One of a half dozen 
home dogs in the NFL in week one. Uh, the third lowest total, I think, week one in the NFL, 39 and a half points. Not expected, expecting both defenses to dominate, but alongside Greg Finley, uh, who's pulling double duty today as Josh Taylor is out. Just a little bit of a scratch in the throat. Cobra Commander will be back uh, tomorrow or the next day to keep us moving towards kickoff on Sunday. Um, the numbers that Mike Tomlin ran by us, Craig, on how different the Niners offense was last year as compared to 2021 without Christian McCaffrey. 30 points per game with McCaffrey in the lineup. 20 points per game before McCaffrey was in the lineup. A 10-point swing, a a 50% swing in offensive production if you go by points per game. And clearly, that that's we didn't need Mike Tomlin to tell us, I guess, that that's the guy the defense's focus needs to be on. Maybe not totally shutting down, but definitely limiting as much as they can. Are you surprised that Raheem Mostert and Elijah Mitchell aren't putting up <laughs> 30 points a game like Christian McCaffrey is? I hmm. mean... Yeah, How'd that happen? There's yeah, a that... reason why the 49ers made that trade, and it was because they were missing one piece, and it was a running back, and Christian McCaffrey was the running back that just changed their team completely. It used to be the George Kittle, Debo Samuel show. Now they got a three-headed monster when Kittle is healthy of Debo, McCaffrey, and Kittle. So yeah. it, it doesn't. it does not surprise me at all that it's a 10-point difference at all. Well, it, what's interesting to me is that those are the three names, right? And we talked about Kittle earlier uh, and whether he's actually going to be available or not. In, in talking about another guy who might not be available, Nick Bosa, I think Mike Tomlin came up with a new Tomlinism. We'll get to that in a couple minutes. But first, the serious side of what he had to say in talking about McCaffrey and Kittle and Debo. I think he, I don't know if he walked himself into this answer. See, here's the thing is... I refuse to believe that Mike Tomlin goes into these press conferences unprepared. Like I'm convinced he's workshopping things in the shower for days leading up to his press conferences, like <laughs> rubbing the head and shoulders into his hair and go iron sharpens iron mm -hmm. <laughs> and just repeat and, and practicing his good afternoon, you know, like just it, it, getting ready to, because you made a great point before we started the show. The guy is never without an answer, Greg. Never without an answer. No, he sounds like he's got a script in front of him for every single question mm -hmm. that somebody can ask him. And he is, there's no ums, there's no uh. He is ready and has a clear and concise answer every time. It, it's impressive. It's honestly impressive. Like the, the new Tomlinism he invented Tuesday, space winners. He called Nick Bosa a space winner, or maybe it was McCaffrey. It doesn't matter who he was referring to <laughs> because I found myself sitting there, Greg, going, space winner. Is that someone who, who wins in space? Is that someone who creates the space they need to win? Is that someone who can't win in tight quarters? They need to have space. <laughs> Did he come up with this on the fly? Did he, like I said earlier, workshop this in the shower this morning? Did he practice it with Kaya while they were sitting at dinner one night? Honey, what do you think? Is he's a space winner? Christian McCaffrey's a space winner, and she went. I, I I like that one. Go with it. You know, I I I find myself wondering how he comes up with these things. But he, he space winner is the new one. He also I think it means I think it means the second one that he can he creates the space that he needs to to be efficient. Okay. He also went with the the paint with the broad brush today too. <laughs> 
We get one of those probably every week. <laughs> yeah, he was talking about – they asked him about Larry Ogunjobi's status for this season as last year was, uh, you know, injury-ridden. And mm-hmm. so he said, I'm not ready to paint with a broad brush to uh, put where he is for this year's team. Okay, that's fine. It, it, as long as when you have red paint, you paint the barn red, even if yes. it's not with a broad brush. Yes, exactly. Another classic Mike Tomlinism. But I think there was a question that maybe he – he, he had to be prepared for this. Joe Rudder of the Trib asked him about the uh, flexibility we may see and how they use Desmond King II, who they just acquired over the weekend or late last week. And King, when he met with the media yesterday, said, hey, you know, I, I think I'm going to play some in the at corner. I think I'm going to play some inside. I, I, they even talked about maybe some at safety. So they're thinking about using him all over the secondary. But in talking about that, I think Tomlin alluded to exactly what you need to watch for on Sunday. And I'm going to read it as close to word for word as I can. We have quality, depth, and capable people, Tomlin said. Week in and week out, we're going to be willing to mix and match in an effort to get the appropriate matchups and best mix of people on the field. That could, could describe the strong safety position, the inside linebacker position. That could describe the nickel position. I think flexibility from a matchup perspective is really en vogue. If you're going to be excellent on defense, you better be mindful of matchups. If you're going to be excellent on defense, you better be mindful of matchups. And then he goes on. I think it's highlighted by my opening when I talked about dynamic players such as Christian McCaffrey, George Kittle, and Debo Samuel. And the people you put on them are significant. That's going to be our story. So, He's telling you exactly what to watch for on Sunday afternoon. He's telling you to watch uh, the inside linebackers, Cole Holcomb, Elandon Roberts, Quan Alexander, 55-50-54. Watch how they handle McCaffrey and or Samuel as they're moving out of the backfield or in motion. Watch Keanu Neal and DeMonte KZ, 31-23. and How do they handle Debo and Christian McCaffrey, whether they're lined up in the slot or coming in motion or out of the backfield? And at nickel. How do they handle, whether it's a nickelback handling George Kittle, whether it's Patrick Peterson or Shandon Sullivan, who lines up there? Is it is it Kittle they're on, whether Kittle's healthy or not? Is it McCaffrey lined up in the slot, Samuel? Those three weapons are able to line up just about anywhere in the Niners' formations. And the Steelers are going to have to try and ensure that they've got the right pieces on those guys, whether it's their inside linebackers, who I think are a big upgrade over last year's inside linebackers, Greg, or the nickel or the strong safety. Because if any of those guys fail to do their job at least once, all of a sudden it's Minka Fitzpatrick now having to come down from over the top and save the big plays from happening. And that's not what we want Minka doing. We want him sitting back there trying to ball hawk and cause turnovers. Exactly. Yeah. And I think Chris, Having a team like Baltimore in your division helps you prepare for a guy like Kittle because Mark Andrews is that kind of tight end. Mm -hmm. And so they know what they're dealing with. And if there is no Kittle, that's great news for the Steelers defense because now you don't have to focus on him. You're going to focus on McCaffrey and Debo. Take those two out of the game. Make somebody else beat you. If it's Brandon Ayuk or somebody else on this 49ers offense, because if they have Kittle, I think that – you got Minka Fitzpatrick always keeping an eye on Kittle because that's what he does. He is, you talk about the ball hawk safety, but they like to put him on the tight end because you don't want to get burned by Kittle. And whenever it's the right. Ravens, it was Mark Andrews. So 
I think that really helps them a lot that they have faced an offense like this where the tight end is a big deal like Kittle and Andrews. Yeah, and I'm curious how confident they are in some of those guys I just mentioned, Holcomb, Roberts, Alexander, Neil, KZ, and how much man coverage they can handle in the middle of the field. Are they going to line those guys up? Look, we've seen inside linebackers of the Steelers get burned by tight ends and man coverage for, damn, since before you were born, it was happening, Greg. It's been happening for decades. And it's to the point now where I, every year I say, I, I, I get down on my knees at night saying prayers in the street, like um, praying for, please, God, please let them find someone to cover a tight end this year. Please. That's all I ask. And look, without Kittle in the lineup, if that's the case, it's less to worry about, but let's not pretend like McCaffrey and Debo can't run routes like an accomplished tight end. They may exactly. like stay in to block like a tight end, but they're certainly going to be out there running routes and, this comes back to, did they get the right guys at inside linebacker? Do they have the right guys at strong safety? Yeah, I mean, that, that's a great question, and it, it's a big question mark. I mean, we, we don't know because we haven't seen these guys all play together for 60 minutes. We've seen them play in the preseason, and what we saw from them was really good. But, yeah, you talk about the linebacker getting burned by the tight end. It reminds me of every time, Chris, they play the Patriots, <sighs> cover Rob Gronkowski. Yes. And they never did. And I'm hoping and praying like you are that this is the year that they finally get somebody to cover the tight end. And if it's Minka Fitzpatrick, that's going to leave somebody else open now because you're taking Pat him away from that yes. ball hawk position. Now all of a sudden you're opening things up on the outside, whether it's Debo going deep or Ayuk, like you mentioned. Look, they got they got a burner over there. Remember Ray Ray? Ray Ray's over there. Ray Ray McLeod will run deep. He might not catch the ball, but he'll run deep for you, and he'll give you something to worry about on the edge, right? So, look, they, they've, they've got the ability. And here's the thing that you mentioned about tight ends, and you, and you make a great point about Gronkowski and the, the Steelers getting burned by the Patriots for years. The immediate retort people will have to that in some cases is, what's Rob Gronkowski? It might be one of the best, if not the best, tight ends in NFL history. But – I would counter that George Kittle is, is no slouch. Even, even George Kittle at 80, 85% is probably still one of the five best tight ends in the league. Yes. And so you're right. If all of a sudden, let's say Neil and KZ or Holcomb and Roberts or Alexander, depending on how much he plays, can't provide the coverage needed on those tight ends, backers and Debo coming out of the backfield or coming off the line, then it, it, it all comes back to how much are they going to have to ask Minka to do above and beyond reading a quarterback, reading the tight end if he's healthy, and then making a play on the ball because that's the difference here. And moreover, if if TJ Watt plays as we expect him to, if Cam Hayward plays as we expect him to, Alex Highsmith plays as we expect him to, well, now we're reducing the amount of time that Purdy has to make those decisions. And if Purdy's time to make those decisions is reduced, and we're effectively taking care of coverage on those tight end and running back weapons without having to enlist Minka from the back end. Well, now it's just game over. It's like Minka's, Minka walks in having grown up playing Nintendo 64 and Purdy is back there with the little Atari joystick trying to, to play, you know, pitfall or whatever it is. It's a completely different game. Like Minka, whenever he faced Philip Rivers on the Colts, Rivers just looked completely lost. Didn't see Minka in the backfield ever, and would just keep throwing him the ball. And 
So, yeah, you you bring up the blitz, too. Get to Brock Purdy. Do not let him get comfortable. The Steelers bring the pressure as much as anybody in the league. They they get to the quarterback with TJ, with Cam, with Highsmith. Make Purdy as uncomfortable as possible, and that eliminates everything because then he can't throw the ball. I mean, and if you cover uh, McCaffrey on these checkdowns, you're going to make Purdy throw these deep balls and make mistakes. I'm going to make another reference that you're probably too young to get. I'm sorry. But do you remember GoldenEye on N64? Yes, I do. Okay. So (laughs) do you remember whether it was you as the new player and everybody else in the room was experienced? Or once you became experienced at playing GoldenEye and you welcomed the new player into the group and, you know, you're in college or whatever it is, maybe high school for you, you're hanging out with buddies, you're playing Nintendo 64, you're playing GoldenEye and... You, ex- you immediately know as you're watching the screen who the new person is because they've got the PP7, the little tiny pistol, and they're just running into a corner of the room and they don't know how to get out, right? And you are up on a balcony somewhere with a sniper rifle and you just, without them even knowing, just, and they're gone. That's Minka and Brock Purdy if the Steelers can get some pressure on Purdy this weekend. Minka will sit back there with the sniper rifle and he'll just, he'll just sight up Brock Purdy from about four rooms away. Purdy will be doing that thing, running in a circle with his head up in the air like this, and Mink will pew, bang. And they'll, I would hope, completely dissolve Purdy into that bleeding red screen and move on to the next game. All right. One That's last thing. real analogy. <laughs> <laughs> Steelers defense against the Niners as GoldenEye, brought to you by fourth down in the Steel City. One more thing I wanted to touch on, and this could completely blow it up because it blew up a couple games for the Steelers last year. And it's the idea of forget McCaffrey catching the ball out of the backfield. Uh, forget the idea of Debo making, uh, maybe providing the punch on those jet sweep type runs that Shanahan likes to implement or throwing the ball downfield. If Kittle's healthy, using the middle of the field through the air, it's the idea of this offensive line being better than a lot of people may want to give it credit for in San Francisco. Um, and Mike Tomlin, who worked with Chris Forster, who's the O-line coach and run game coordinator years ago in Tampa, talked him up to a great extent today, talked about how he's a grizzled veteran. He's been through it. Um, they're going to block people. They're not going to leave people unblocked. Uh, they're going to be very technically sound. And so that's the one thing I do still have just a, a little bit of a concern about here is if they do everything right in coverage, this is still a game where because of the versatility of Christian McCaffrey, Kyle Juszczyk, Devo Samuel, if let's say Purdy isn't comfortable reading things the first few drives and the Niners just decide to block it up, right? And they decide to take a Montrevious Adams or a Keanu Benton or Larry Ogunjobi out of the game and they start to get downhill, especially running inside against the Steelers inside linebackers, who again, we're not sure about yet, that's the one thing I worry about. All of a sudden, this becomes a, a 17-14 Niners win. Live and die by Christian McCaffrey is what it sounds like to me. And yeah. we, we we pretty much expect that to be the game plan. He's, he's going to get the ball done. And so if the Steelers stop the run early, that's great. Make Brock Purdy throw the ball more. But if you, you don't stop the run early and they get into a rhythm, Chris, where McCaffrey's averaging five a carry – it's going to be a long day for this defense. Or even late in the game, Greg. Like, I worry about a situation where, let's say both teams have been playing it tight all afternoon, and we get in a, 
a 16-14 kind of situation, and the Steelers have to get the ball back just so Kenny can get them in field goal range, maybe. And all of a sudden, we start to have flashbacks to last fall in the Patriots, right? And they can't get off the field because the Niners decide to go with, you know, seven offensive linemen and use check in the backfield in front of McCaffrey, and they're just ramming it down the Steelers' throats, and they can't stop it. I worry about that because – Great offense be damned, even if you think you've got a great offense. And that remains to be seen after the preseason and who they played against in the preseason. If it comes out there and it can't get the ball in its hands because your defense can't get off the field in a big situation, you're screwed. And that's how you end up losing a game 16-14 to or losing a game like they did to the Patriots last year. Is it fair to put into account, though, that it's a West Coast team coming to the East Coast and it's the first game of the season? I've thought about that. I've had some people tell me, ah, it's week one. It doesn't mean as much. I think it still means something. I think, you know, your body clock is still on 10 a.m., right? You're out there warming up at 8 a.m. I mean, they're professional athletes. They're going to get all the assistance they need in adjusting their body clocks to it being as close to 1 p.m. as possible. But I still buy into that, man. It's not easy to travel east. And look, Shanahan will have them prepared. The staff will have them prepared. But travel east, opening game, maybe a little bit of rust from not playing a lot in the preseason, maybe no Kittle, maybe no Bosa. Steelers' first-team offense scored a touchdown on every possession in the preseason. The defense forced a three-and-out on almost every possession in the preseason. Tell me again, Greg, how the Steelers are two-and-a-half-point dogs. Now that's what that's what I'm getting at. I don't understand how that's possible. I think – and if anything, it should be Steelers minus one, Steelers minus two. Home team, it's week one. Mm-hmm. And Chris, there are so many unknowns for San Francisco right now. The Steelers, Tomlin put it out there right there. Everybody's healthy. We're good to go. Yeah. You have no unknowns with the Steelers. The 49ers, you have an unknown with your tight end. You have an unknown with Bosa. And you don't know what Brock Purdy is right now. You have no idea what Brock Purdy's showing up in week one. This, this makes no sense. It really doesn't. We'll see if it moves at all. Uh, the money line, if you're into betting and so inclined, has the Steelers at plus 120, the last I checked. So there you go. If you think they're going to win straight up, you can win a few extra bucks. And if you just want to take the points in case it ends up being one of those situations like I talked about where somebody wins 17 to 16 or 21 to 19, well, there you go. The Steelers are getting the points. We'll see how, how much sense it makes. And we'll continue to get you ready all week long. For Steelers, Niners, Uh, let's see, Kyle Shanahan talks to the media out in Santa Clara, I believe on Wednesday afternoon, so at some point we'll react to what he had to say, we'll see if we can get some friends on from San Francisco as well, we'll try to get Josh's voice back, and uh, we'll be ready absolutely every single day to keep you ready, make sure you rate, review, download, and of course subscribe and follow however you get your podcasts, hopefully in your Odyssey app, hopefully on YouTube as well. The fourth down in the Steel City.